following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Garnishing your ham with pineapple? Pair it with a delicious Chardonnay to make their taste buds swirl. Deviled eggs are even better when paired with a light, dry wine like a bubbly Prosecco or a Pinot Grigio. For me, nothing beats recommending a great wine. And with such an extensive selection, I can help you find the perfect one in your budget. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! Welcome to the Forbes Sports Money Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. On this show, we talk about the business of sports. It's my special privilege today to have Paul DeYoung, the outstanding young shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals, as my guest. Hey, Paul, thanks for taking the time, and welcome to Sports Money. Thanks for having me, Mike. Hey, man, congratulations on a, on a super first season with the Cardinals and also uh Great contract with the Cardinals, uh, six years, uh, the largest contract ever given to a player with the amount of experience that you have. F- uh, first thing I got to ask you is, you know, what made you commit long term to the Cardinals after just one season? Well, I mean, just a combination of things. Um, you know, putting together a strong rookie campaign was my first priority, and and once I did that, I knew that there was a possibility that. Burton Rocks, my agent and I could could approach the Cardinals with a with an idea about you know being a Cardinal for life in this long term type contract, and then you know the numbers uh, seemed to work out in our favor. What we were thinking and what they were offering, and, and you know, kind of just came organically. You know, I, I hear a lot about we all hear as baseball fans, and, and and we could see it given the consistency of the St. Louis Cardinals over the years and what the franchise has been like and, and, and what a great baseball city St. Louis is. We hear the phrase, the Cardinal way. Uh, you've been there a year now in the majors with the Cardinals. What is the Cardinal way? I would say the Cardinal way is the approach to the game every single day that, that Cardinals players, Cardinals staff, Cardinals fans, it's the passion, the work ethic, and it's you know, the little things that you do every single day to try to make yourself a better player and a better person. And, you know, if you get everybody doing things like that, it's going to make for a pretty good team and a pretty good organization. Did that even resonate down in the minor leagues? Absolutely. I think it started in the minors. And, um, you know, the guys that embrace it the most or, you know, the ones that really buy into it kind of move up the, to the system quickly. And, um, you know, everybody who plays for this organization or works for it or is involved in some way just, just knows, and we know this because we hear guys that come from other organizations that come to the Cardinals and say, wow, uh, we didn't know things were run like this. This is awesome. This is great. All this stuff, like it's revolutionary. So to us, it's the norm, but you know, it's just, I guess, the way we approach our business every single day. Paul, do players, when they're in the minor leagues or, or perhaps even in college, players like yourself that uh, have aspirations for perhaps one day playing in the major leagues, do they talk about, do you guys talk about differences in the organizations or, or, or things that you hear, reputations organizations have? A lot of it's like facilities and, and like little petty things about travel and, and accommodations, but a lot of it's, uh, you know, just the amount of work the uh, staff puts in with you and tries to help you get better and the resources and the knowledge and, and experience really plays in too, especially from you know, a coaching standpoint, when your players need some, some help and guidance, uh, 
Cardinals always seem to have the right guys. And as you see this year, you got William McGee and Jose Akendo coming back to coach in the big leagues, making their profound impact because of you know, great players they were for the, for the Cardinals. So it's it's almost like it's just a continuing on uh, generational type thing that you know this generational players will will uh, be coaching uh, the next generation eventually. And taking a moment to thank our sponsors. Varidesk, Rocket Mortgage, and ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. You'll hear more about these companies later in the show. When you were playing at Illinois State, Paul, you were drafted initially by the Pirates in the 38th round in 2014. You chose to pass that turning up pro and, and finish your final year at ISU. What did you base that decision on? There was a lot of things. Um, first, it was kind of a late round pick, uh, 38th round. I wasn't too happy with that, knowing that my own personal, you know, value. Um, another reason was I wanted to finish my degree. I also got a red shirt, so I was pretty new to college baseball anyway. So I felt like I hadn't really developed as much as I could or should. And then, you know, just uh, also as a catcher. So <laughs> there, were, <laughs> there were multiple reasons why, uh, you know, I was you know, really pretty pretty easy decision to go back to school and try to improve my stock and, and finish my degree and maybe get drafted as an infielder and maybe make some more money. And, and it turns out all those things happened in 2015 when the Cardinals picked me. And your, your background is in school and some of your interests are very, uh, they're not stereotypical of what we see in a lot of baseball players. For instance, your, your degrees in biochemistry and you also love classical music. How did you get those interests? I started liking classical music when I was uh, eight years old or so, just listening to it at dinner, or and then eventually learning how to play the piano and and a little bit. But since forgotten how to do that, I have to get back down there and try practice again. But and then uh, as far as school goes, it was just something that was instilled in me when I was a kid discipline, do my homework, uh, get good grades, push myself. And I always liked the sciences. So I, you know, I settled in biochemistry in college, just thinking I would go to med school, um, thinking that would be a good pre, pre-med type degree. When I was uh, much younger, I, I, I won't tell you exactly how long ago, but uh, the, New, <laughs> the New York Yankees used to have a pitcher. And, and I think he was traded to the Pirates at one point. I, I mean, I remember as a youngster, I was really upset. Doc Medich. He went on to medical school, I believe, became a doctor. Do you have any aspirations after perhaps your baseball career into getting into the medical field? No, I think this contract basically says I don't have to anymore. <laughs> the, only thing I might do, <laughs> the only thing I might do is uh, maybe take the MCAT just for the heck of it in the offseason if I need an intellectual stimulation. But I think that, that ship has sailed. <laughs> <laughs> You're also uh, on the national advisory board of this, for the St. Louis Cardinals. What does that position entail, and, and how did you get involved? Well, Burton Rocks helped me uh, set up uh, in the PCA Positive Coaching Alliance uh, board, but I think what the next endeavor for me with that organization, and I'm still relatively new, is going to be uh, opening up a St. Louis office, and I think for me it's going to be more of like a, a local St. Louis being involved in the local community with the kids and, and the players and the, and the parents. And, you know, I think I have the most influence uh, in St. Louis. So that's going to be my focus moving forward. When you look at youth sports, 
a lot of it seems to be very different from when I was growing up and, and the parents used to kind of just come and root for the kids. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that parents either drive the kids much harder or and also, you know, they get on the coaches. You know, I, I mean, I was, yep. uh, you know, you read about a lot of stuff where parents get into fights, arguments. It seems to be a lot of pressure put on kids, too, as, as, yep. as well, where they have to, like, really excel and, and yep. you know, very different. Uh, what's your take on, on all of that and, and, and in terms of especially as you get more involved with helping kids, what you'd like to see happen, what your message could be? Well, we're trying to... Uh create you know like a positive environment a lot of those things you were talking about are negative kind of bring you down type uh emotions but with youth sports we're trying to focus on you know the character the you know the having fun the camaraderie the teamwork uh communication skills all these things that will help you later in life because of how hard it is to be a professional athlete and i think that's why a lot of parents know just they know how advantageous it could be to have their child be a professional athlete so they're they're trying to push their kids, but we're going to try to spread the message that you know, yeah, we can we can be competitive and and uh, play the game hard, but we have to uh, you know be respectful and, and understand you know that not everybody's going to be a professional athlete. So you're going to have to just it's kind of like a culture change, but you know in a positive way. What was your relationship like with your parents when you were growing up uh, in terms of sports and school? Coach and mentors and um you know manager i mean my parents did everything for me and they supported me the whole way so i uh owe them a lot for all the sacrifices and resources they put into me as a a kid and it was all positive so those are the types of things we want to keep rolling and they try to reduce you know the tension and and the um you know the aggression i guess when it comes to parents to coaches parents to players we're going to talk to your agent Burton Rocks following our chat here, but how did you first meet Burton? I was uh, looking for an advisor for the draft in 2014, and a teammate of mine, Dennis Cologne, had uh, Burton, and he recommended him to me. I talked to him on the phone, and ever since then, I, you know, I knew he was going to be a good fit for me. He's very attentive. He, he does everything I ask, and um, and gives me all the, the great advice and has great contacts getting me on this podcast, of course. So, you know, everything just seemed to work out with Burton from the start. Paul, you know, for many years, it seemed like the driving force in terms of linking up baseball players with agents was dollars, you know, how much money the agent can get the player. Uh, Looking at it from the outside, from my vantage point, it seems like it's changed somewhat over the last few years where players are looking for more than just dollars. They seem to be also looking for the right city, the right organization. A lot of it's personal service and um, attention to detail and little things and, and also uh, you know, just a, a relationship. Guys want to be able to have someone they can trust and someone that they're responsible. So you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers 
who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You know, you mentioned service, Paul, and attention to detail. Can you provide any anecdotes for our audience or specifics? And I'm sure we have some listeners who uh, also aspire to be professional baseball players at one point. What type of things you might suggest they look for in an agent? Yeah, I would say uh, communication is number one. So answering the call, um, answering texts, but Burton got the chance to know me. So he knows my, my background, my family. He knows uh, you know where I came from. So to me, he, Burton just understands me as a client much better than, you know, just client number 34, blah, blah, blah. So to me, a personal relationship is number one. And then um, as far as his ability to be a kind of agent, that's when your contacts come in. Um, who does he know in the industry? Who does he know in the uh, front office with teams and other things? So, you know, there's a lot that goes into it from a personal relationship to, uh, you know, business relationships to, you know, this general compatibility. What about in terms of things like endorsements and uh, perhaps business ventures off the field? Did you and Burton have conversations about that prior to signing with him? Not prior to signing with him. Right? Stuff kind of developed. Um, you know, big league status definitely helps helps those things. Kind of, it's almost like a snowball effect. But Burton had me endorsed from the start with Wilson and Franklin, so yeah, the equipment was never an issue. And uh, as I understand it, you're a frontline marketing person for Topps baseball cards. Yeah, and he's had me with them since the start, so. Yeah, just those little things here and there can put a few extra dollars in my pocket and then, um, you know, also have good exposure. Baseball is is tough, too, because you guys are playing, you know, very few off days and then, you know, you have a little bit of time off, especially if you make the postseason and then you're back at training again. Is it harder, do you think, in baseball to, over time, build up a uh, successful line of business and endorsements off the diamond? I think, uh, you know, that's something that I'm relatively new at, and I'll, I'm sure I'll evolve over time, but I think for me it's going to be an off-season type adventure and uh, not so much in-season, like you said, because of the time commitments. But, you know, it's something I'm I'm thinking about and talking to Burton about, uh, you know, the next step. So we're still trying to figure it out. What would you like your legacy to be when your playing days are over? I know it's a funny question to ask a guy who's going into his second season, but uh, it seems that athletes, you know, uh, it's, it's, okay. it's something that you have to think about uh, because possibilities are so great once you're done now, given the money involved in the sport. I mean, you look at a guy like Derek Jeter, who's now the CEO of the Miami Marlins and, and a mm-hmm. small investor, you know, in basketball, uh, Michael Jordan, owns the franchise in Charlotte. Uh, it seems like the, the possibilities are almost boundless. Yeah. Well, I just know what I like to do, and I, I like to spend time with my family. I like to be outdoors. So I'd have to think uh, it would have to be something outdoors, whether it's uh, you know Winnebago or it's uh, you know, 
duck hunting brand or I don't know what it's going to be. So it's going to be something outdoors. But like I, like you said earlier, I've got pretty varied interests. So no, I think I'll be spread out over a lots of areas from music to sports to, uh, you know, maybe clothes to outdoor equipment. Um, you know, I'm, I'm open to a lot of possibilities, so I'm excited to see which way I'll go. Yeah, you're a big hunting and fishing guy, right? Yeah, grew up uh, doing it with my family, and it's something I like to do in the off season. It's something that's pretty common among baseball players as well. I guess I guess it's more authentic, or I guess there's more passion in it when your you know your uh, off field endeavors are linked into the actual things you love to do, your hobbies. I, I, I guess, of course, uh, yeah. yeah, and that's where the true passion will be. Well, Paul, I, I thank you for taking some time. I'm sure you're going to have a tremendous season this year, and uh, I wish you and the Cardinals nothing but the best. And uh, please stay in touch with us and uh, hope to talk to you soon as uh, things continue to progress for you on and off the field. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes Sports Money Podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage you get a transparent, online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. And there's Varidesk. Traditional static offices are a thing of the past. Today, companies and employees want an active workspace. Varidesk helps people reimagine their office design. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health by boosting energy and productivity. The new ProDesk 60 electric standing desk is the cornerstone of the active office. It's designed with commercial-grade materials, stable at any height, and fully assembled in under five minutes. Plus, all Varidesk products are made to last. They're also simple to set up and move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. Check out Varidesk products, including the new ProDesk 60 Electric, risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns. Learn more at varidesk.com slash Forbes. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com slash Forbes. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Garnishing your ham with pineapple? Pair it with a delicious Chardonnay to make their taste buds swirl. Deviled eggs are even better when paired with a light, dry wine like a bubbly Prosecco or a Pinot Grigio. For me, nothing beats recommending a great wine. And with such an extensive selection, I can help you find the perfect one in your budget. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! And we're now being joined by Burton Rocks, Paul DeYoung's agent, 
And Burton Rocks is with CL Rocks Corp. Hey, Burton, thanks for joining us here on Forbes Sports Money. Mike, thanks so much for having me. Hey, how did you and Paul hook up? We hooked up through the uh, draft, actually. I uh, started advising him in 2014 through Dennis Cologne and uh, knew Dennis's father. And Dennis was a teammate of Paul's at ISU, Illinois State University, and introduced me to Paul. And immediately I enjoyed the connection between myself and Paul's family because family is the key to the draft. What do you mean family's key to the draft? Well, players that really have a desire, a burning desire to make that major league dream come true. Usually it's because they have grounded values with their family. And I could tell from the very beginning, Paul's parents were amazing. They were grounded, uh, well-intentioned people. Paul was incredibly intelligent, uh, incredibly gifted at the plate, but incredibly aware of his surroundings, aware of what it takes to be a professional baseball player. And his parents, really, from the outset, it was quite evident that they brought him up with values to respect coaches, to respect the game. And so it was a very organic, easy relationship with the family. Burton, you were able to obtain for Paul the largest guaranteed contract for a player with less than one year of Major League service, six years, $26 million. You also have a very unique way of assessing a player's worth. Could you explain your system for assessing the value of a player and how that played into Paul's contract? I've always used a metric that uh, I created called quantified intangibles, and I've used it as a supplement to traditional analytics. And how that has worked is it's been a 10-point spread whereby I have gone through a player's background and through a series of honest probing questions have asked them to categorize their background, what they've overcome, if anything, and how overcoming adversity has played a role in either success or in failure, rebounding from failure and achieving success. And Paul scored one of the highest scores of anybody that I've ever put through that metric. And where it played into this is I spoke to the Cardinals and and basically told them that in addition to his on-the-field achievements, he has a tremendous ability to reach deep into the community and be an ambassador for the club using this quantified intangible metric and showing how when he touches lives, whether it's through music, whether it's through science, he can bring out the best in people around him. And for instance, uh, Paul had uh, had some, you know, everybody has injuries at the youth level. Uh, Paul had some injuries, and he rebounded from it. Uh, Paul loved experimentation in the chemistry lab. He was a biochem major. I used to ask him how, when an experiment failed, what was his thought process? And his thought process was always, what can I do to make the either experiment work, or if it's not going to work, how do I adapt and change? And, you know, science isn't about telling somebody they're they're right, they're wrong, they're a winner, they're a loser. Science is about the process of trying to understand the environment around oneself. And basically, the great chemists 
uh, in this world, uh, great biologists, great, anybody in science, they enjoy the act of experimentation. And Paul was like that. And so for me, using the quantified and tangible metric and showing the cardinals how this sense of steadiness will be transformed off the field, has been transformed the field in terms of dollars, marketing dollars, revenue generating dollars to the Cardinals. They really uh, were interested in that, and it was something that they took to immediately because they saw firsthand from Paul's debut, he had an electric nature about himself, but he also had an ability to connect individually with fans. And that's where the quantified intangibles come in, because when you're at a ballpark and there are 50,000 people around you, it's hard to zero in on specific people. But Paul's always had a knack, whether it's children with disabilities, adults with disabilities. He's always had a an awareness of the importance of making people who are unique feel special. And somebody who, like myself, who's, you know, had some time in hospitals as a kid, that resonated. So I was, I, I really was able to show the Cardinals uh, in quite tangible means how Paul's on and off the field behavior and, and quantified intangibles last year translated into dollars to the franchise. Burton, when you're going through this with the Cardinals, are there past examples that you bring up, you know, like, say, for instance, another player from the past who had similar intangibles as Paul, and you say, see, uh, such and such a player had these same qualities, and that enabled that player to connect with the fans and therefore translate into uh, more revenue for the baseball team. Yes, I have used some Hall of Famers from uh, bygone generations in the past, but it's mostly about, I, I just spoke about Paul and the changing times because baseball really hasn't experienced the social media generation and the growing and the coming of nature uh, of, you know, the coming of age of that social media generation because it's it's something that's naturally evolving now. And so it's uncharted territory. It's almost like exploring a globe in the 1400s. It's uncharted. We don't know what the millennials and the next generation are going to do with their hard-earned dollars. But we can project based upon various indices in social media and analytics that I told the Cardinals suggest that who is going to be that kind of iconic player. And giving examples of where he's interacting with donors of the symphony, where he's interacting with fans at impromptu situations, how he I've observed him making people feel like they themselves are the star. And, you know, another example of, of Paul and his grace and humility is that there have been uh, – donors that he's met through the Palm Beach Symphony who uh, have infinitely more money than most baseball players will have uh, because this this is Palm Beach. But he has connected individually with these women, with these men, and has taken an interest in their lives just in five to ten minute conversations to the point where they have made it a point to tell the executive director and myself afterwards that 
they would not have realized he was a professional ball player if they were not told because he connects on such a personal level beyond his years that they feel it's almost as if he's their equal, equal their peer from their generation. And how does that ultimately translate into more revenue for the Cardinals? The way we've seen it is that fans that were going to, let's say, be on the fence of buying jersey sales, caps, T-shirts, that type of revenue, the merchandising, they have, they have bought. They've gone out in droves. They've done group outings. They've done group outings to Jupiter. They've bought up literally thousands of dollars worth of jerseys. And at each point, these fans on social media have expressed to Paul on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, hey, I met you at, at, at a fast food place. You made me feel so good. I went out and bought a jersey. Well, if, if spending a dollar made the person behind the counter for a morning coffee feel good and they bought a $135 jersey, that's a pretty good price differential per person. And so you multiply that enough times and you've got serious revenue to a team generated off the field. And there's also the factor, Mike, that Paul really enjoys being an ambassador for a team. And that's also rare in the social media generation, that he really enjoys the idea of when the lights are out, the stadium is shut down, and he leaves for the day, he views his job as still ongoing. The light in his office is still on. Mm. And that is something that you can teach. You, you can teach various fundamentals of the game, but you can't teach a player the will, the desire, and the ambition to really represent that franchise 24-7 on and off the field. Do I recall correctly, Burton, is, is your model for grading players, the system that you use, is it patented? Yes, I, I trademarked it with the United States uh, Trademark Patent Office, USPTO. That's really cool. Hey, I, I have to ask as a follow-up, because you mentioned, I believe what you said was Paul was came out rated one of the highest I, I got to ask, who, who's come out higher on your system? He's, he is, he uh, has, been, has been the highest, and actually uh, one of my dad's friends from a different generation, one of the people that we knew, uh, actually two of them graded high. Uh, Ralph Kiner was one, and Buck O'Neill was the other. Wow. Because when I, when I would talk to Buck, uh, the life experiences he would share would be, would be absolutely awe-inspiring. And I have to tell you, uh, it's those experiences. And, and I've been able to share that with Paul. I've been able to share experiences from some of my, you know, my dad's friends, acquaintances, the, the Ralph Kiner stories, the Clyde King stories, the Buck O'Neill stories. And he listens and he probes and asks questions. He wanted to see one of the last letters Buck wrote to me. He wanted to to read some of the baseball history and see that's something also you just can't teach. It's it's inside a player or not that desire to really learn about the quantified intangibles of others and and appreciate it. Yeah, it's very funny. I, I it was in my mind just when you said Ralph Kiner. My mind went back. You know, he was a longtime broadcaster, of course, for the New York Mets. And he and uh, Buck O'Neill, I believe, have passed away. But I, re- I remember when I was maybe 15 years old, I was at baseball camp 
Cooper's, it was called the Cooperstown Hall of Fame Baseball Camp. It was in Pauling, New York. It may still be there, for all I know. But uh, they used to once a week have professional players come up from the Mets or the Yankees and, and talk to us kids. And I remember sitting there, and they had a, a pitcher. I forget who the pitcher was for the Mets. And so we was, after instruction, we're sitting in the bleachers, and, and uh, the guys were in the camp, says, you know, okay, who, anybody have any questions? So the first kid puts up his hand and says, yes. And the kid asks him, he says, were you ever on Kiner's Corner? You know, that was the show we used to have. I, I, I think after the game, he'd bring a player up and, and talk to him for a few minutes. It was called Kiner's Corner. But that was sort of the, you know, the brand that he had. The, these, um, when, when you talk about Buck O'Neill and uh, – Geez, every time I think of Buck O'Neill, I think about the great documentary Ken Burns did on baseball. He was so phenomenal in that. But but when you rated these guys, when your dad did that, was that based on uh, talking to them, you know, in pre- more modern day, or is that based on just going back and looking at stuff before this system that you now have became active, if you will? It was it was ongoing, but it was just based on the recollections and what they would say at the time. But this metric has been something I've I've, I've worked on even through school. It really came about as kind of almost like an emotional therapy of what I was going through in the hospitals as a kid to to find the the joy in suffering. Almost, I mean, it was almost like that metric came out of well, how do I how do I explain my existence? You know, I'm, I'm in a hospital, and nobody understands this. And, you know, when you, when you have code blues and you're very, very little, it's very hard to explain it. And so as I got older, that idea of, because I always loved math, I loved chemistry because of my dad, but I loved math, and I always wanted to try to search for that, that answer. It's just kind of like searching for that star, searching for that answer. And so the metric just naturally evolved out of it. Burton, what... How old were you, and, and and what exactly was the affliction that you had? I had, uh, I had my first code blue at, at uh, almost two years of age uh, from life-threatening asthma, and uh, it was it was it was just terrible because uh, had a bunch of code blues before I was seven eight, and uh, spent literally almost all of my adolescence into my my middle 20s in and out of hospitals and I was lucky enough to have a growth spurt late in life and it, it I grew out of it but it was uh it was about 25 years of hell so well uh, you know that that's that's the reason for the for the metric because people would say to me well how, how do you explain this how do you explain that with regards to you know overcoming adversity and then I, I finally I had this idea of, well, you know what, if I could put together this metric, maybe it would serve to help others who are unique, whether it's for medical reasons or other reasons, and maybe it would serve as inspiration. So that's that's how it came about. I wanted to inspire the next generation to kind of embrace their uniqueness, embrace their adversity, and be proud of what they've overcome, and not let the uh, the culture of society of constantly winning and losing and putting people into these categories discourage them from trying to uh, be the best they can be. Was baseball your favorite sport? Is is that why your system uh, was tailored as you developed when you were going through all this uh, pain and suffering tailored towards baseball? Absolutely. Baseball was certainly um, my favorite sport. And uh, I enjoyed pitching when I was well enough to do that. 
And what I loved about baseball was it was something that when I had a moment of being healthy, I could go out and have a catch with my dad. I could have that moment of feeling normal. And that's what I, I loved about the game. And, and not to say that my dad and I didn't throw the football, but baseball was just my natural uh, attraction. Is, is this system that you have, Burton, is it particular to baseball, or can you apply it to other sports, say football or, or hockey or basketball? Oh, oh, it can be applied to other sports, and I have applied it to, uh, to, to football just, 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 you know, just in, in, in dabbling for the fun of it. Very interesting. How do you think this can uh, play out in terms of Paul DeYoung's endorsement career or business ventures outside of baseball? I think that when I sit down with various uh, CEOs and COOs and heads of marketing of of major corporations and show them uh, the metric and how Paul fits into it, how it's worked, and Paul's uniqueness, they will instantly connect with him on many different levels. Uh, They'll see him as obviously a star athlete, but they'll see him as an individual that if they were to allow him to embrace their brand, he would in turn be able to immediately recognize their brand, understand the importance of their brand, and be able to communicate it effectively and with passion to the community. Because the most important thing, I think, for anyone in in corporate America, whether it's it's Steve Forbes and Forbes magazine, whether it's it's the, the CEO of, let's say, a detergent company, you've put your heart and soul into that company. No CEO wants to feel that their heart and soul is not respected. And when they meet a Paul DeYoung, they will instantly connect with him and realize that this young man will respect their brand, embrace their brand, promote their brand, and represent their brand with honor. And that's, I think, any more than any anybody can ask for. And so when you have that connectivity, uh, I believe that's the reason why I view his his quantified intangible factor as as far beyond other athletes. You know, some teams, I, I, I'm assuming, uh, would, or would imagine, would sort of brush aside the intangibles, you know, or figure they can assess them themselves from doing their own homework. Did the Cardinals immediately embrace your formula? The Cardinals just respected the process. The answer would be yes, but the Cardinals, because of what they've called the Cardinals' way, always had that kind of idea. So we were traveling in the same passing lanes on the highway. And so I feel that the road ended where we organically and naturally met. And so they did understand it. And they really had a commitment to Paul, both uh, both from a talent standpoint and an emotional standpoint. So the whole process was one of mutual respect. And those are the two words that any agent would love to describe an organization and the interplay with an organization, mutual respect, and that's what I had with, with Gersh and Mo and Mr. DeWitt. Baseball in general, to me, Burton, seems, you know, the last few years to really gotten back in favor uh, with fans. It, its popularity seems to have really uh, gotten back on track. You know, they were talking a few years ago about it was demise, the demographics were unfavorable, the only people that liked baseball were over 55 years old. It's so hot right now. Young, tons of young stars. The appeal is really there. You know, of course, 
you know, guys like Paul DeYoung, you know, in New York, we got Aaron Judge, you know, you, you got Bryce Harper, you, you got Mike Trout out. In, I mean, it's just tons and tons of players now, up-and-coming guys. Do, do you think that your system plays into this generation of players coming up now, guys like that I've just mentioned, actually? I think my system will reward the next generation of thinking baseball players. And I think that the system will reward any young player who really wants to go beyond just the lines of the diamond and explore their career outside the lines and take an interest in representing that franchise off the field. Well, I hope, Burton, you you keep us abreast. Really interesting stuff. Uh, I imagine that... uh, as Paul continues to thrive and, and grow in baseball, it'll open other teams' eyes to your system as well. Well, I hope so, Mike. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been an honor being on with you, and I really appreciate it. That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's O-N-E dot com. Don't miss the debut episode of The Producer's Guide with Todd Garner and his very first guest, Adam Sandler. I was shooting little Nicky and my father came to the set. You heard about this new Krispy Kreme donut? <laughs> and then I'm eating like two or three and talking to him and he's like, how many are you going to have? I said, that's it. And he's like, you do that every day? Download new episodes of The Producer's Guide with Todd Garner every Thursday on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Don't miss Yosemite Mariposa County this spring. With this winter's record snowfall, the waterfalls and wildflowers will be the best they've been in years. Enjoy rafting, skydiving, ziplining, hiking, biking, museums, shopping, stargazing, or just go with the flow. Plan your trip at Yosemite.com. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying. And the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.